welcome to the Empower Church podcast. My name is Matt Garner, and I'm the pastor at Empower Church here in Melbourne, Australia. We're so glad you've joined us today, and I am believing that today's message is not only going to inspire you and encourage you, but it's going to empower, equip, and challenge you to be everything that God has called you to be. Hey, if you want more information about what we're up to at Empower Church, just jump on our website, empowerchurch.co, and all the details are there. We really hope that you enjoy the message. It's good. Well, last week we spoke about, uh, about the anointing, really, and we went through a whole list of different names uh, of David's brothers and why he was not uh, why David was chosen to be anointed. And we use that as kind of this picture and I suppose this lesson to us of what it means to be anointed or why, why we are anointed and why we are not. And I want to continue talking a little bit more about the anointing today, uh, but more so what I really want to lean into is I want to lean into talking about the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about the Holy Spirit. I said last week that the Holy Spirit and the anointing I use the word synonymous. They're not. It, um, uh, they're two two different things. Absolutely, the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. So I shouldn't have said that he's a thing because he's not. He, he's a person. He's a part of the Godhead. The anointing is something that I believe that because we were created in the image of God, we were was and is inside of us. And something happens when we allow the Holy Spirit to um, take parts of our life, like we were singing that song, I Submit to You. And as we continue a journey of constant yielding to the Spirit, something begins to transpire where the gifts of God that are inside of us, the talents, how many you know there's just a lot of, there's just talented people all over the place, in the world, in the church, everywhere. And so they carry certain gifts. But the key to you and I moving in the things of God is not just acknowledging that we're gifted, but is submitting those gifts and those talents and those things to Holy Spirit and allowing Him, that word anoint means to smear and to rub off. That's what they used to do with the oil. That's what we, we will be doing as a symbol. There's nothing magical about the oil. The oil in the New Testament, us using it today, is just a symbol. It's like a, a something we can grab hold of. It's like a thing, Right? Does God need it? No, He does not necessarily need it. Do we need it? We probably do need it in some cases because we need these visual reminders because we have, uh, we have not learned to, uh, well, the process of Christianity and our discipleship is undoing our worldly thinking and adopting this new God way of thinking. And so let's spend a little bit of time talking about just the anointing and lay a few things uh, down about it, and then we'll go from there, um, and we'll get into it this morning. You ready for that? Are you sure? You're really sure? All right, it's a little bit cooler in here today. I apologise, the air conditioning is still not fixed. Um, there's been a few emails going on, but anyway, it's all good. Lord, we just thank you for this time. Thank you that your presence is here. I thank you that, Holy Spirit, uh, you would just come and take over. We just yield this whole moment to you. 
We ask for you to move in power. We ask for you to come and move. And we ask for your anointing to, to come and flow through me as you speak to me. I pray, Father, for absolute transformation in people's hearts. I pray for miracles and healings in people's bodies. I ask today in the name of Jesus that you would just come and that you would move Holy Spirit. This church is not Matt's church. It's not the leader's church or the elder's church. Jesus, this is your church. I said, Jesus, this is your church. And so we yield it to you. And we as your church submit to you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. You know, I, I wish at the start of the year we would, um, you know, we make New Year's resolutions and we ask or we, we go on this journey of this new vision and we have this picture and we have this and that and we are excited about what the new year is going to bring. And so in essence, in really our, with our human faculty, we start having, I suppose, what I'll, what I'll call vision. And the reason why we have New Year's resolutions is because we have a vision to be a different person. Might be to be fitter, might be to eat healthier, might be to make more money, might be to finish this thing off that I've had hanging over my head. It might be a whole lot of things. But the truth is, is we set these New Year's resolutions because we have a vision of what the future might be or who we could be. And whilst that's great and wonderful, one of the things that I would um, invite you to consider at the start of the, every year, in fact, maybe at the start of every single day, instead of asking for or making a beeline for this New Year's resolution and adjusting our life, my prayer for us as followers of Jesus that we would be asking the Holy Spirit for um, not a New Year's resolution, but for a new revelation a new revelation of who He is, a new revelation of what He is doing, a new revelation of who He is. Second Corinthians tells us, speaks to us and says, beholding as in a mirror, we are changed into the image that we look at in the mirror. And that image that we want to be looking for is not ourselves, but is of Jesus. That image that we want to be transformed into is the person of Jesus. And so as a baseline for us as followers of Jesus, it's vital that we are asking the Holy Spirit, which is His primary job, we are asking the Holy Spirit to reveal the person of Jesus to us. Reveal the person of Jesus to us. As we live out this life, last week we established the fact that we have an anointing and living with an anointing and knowing that you're anointed and knowing why you're anointed is good. But today I want to talk about something that's better than just being anointed, okay? Way better than just being anointed. In fact, being anointed and acknowledging and understanding your anointing and what it's there for is just, is like baby Christian. Okay, there's something far more important. There's something far more important than just understanding anointing. Lots of people are anointed and it is good, as I've mentioned, for us to know how and why we've been anointed. We established that last week that we don't earn the anointing. We don't, the anointing doesn't come upon us because we're, we um, uh, are talented in some area. That doesn't mean you're anointed for that thing. That just means that you have a talent in that area. 
And so it's good for us to know why and how we're anointed. It's good to live anointed lives. It's good to work whilst you're knowing you're anointed. It's good to minister while you're anointed. It, the, all those things are good. The anointing is God's enabling power and being under the anointing, God's enabling power to do something is absolutely wonderful. But there is another level that God wants, to, wants you to walk in. And it's deeper than the anointing. And so the anointing is a thing, but what's even better than being anointed is knowing the Holy Spirit. Is knowing the Holy Spirit. If you look and you read the epistles, um, you read, read, read them all, especially Paul's writing, you, you'll notice Paul doesn't talk really at all about the anointing. He doesn't say walk in the anointing. He says walk in the Spirit. He doesn't mention us walking in the anointing because the anointing is kind of like Christianity one-on-one. Anyone can walk in the anointing. In fact, let, let me just read this to you and let's just talk a little bit about the anointing because I want to lay this down as a lesson so that you can see where I'm going with this because I want to place a, an immense value on you understanding uh, the power and the importance, the value of being and being a follower and being uh, in relationship with the Holy Spirit. This is what it says in Ezekiel 28. I want to show you something. Did you, because I want to show you that the anointing's just this level, okay? Ezekiel chapter 28, it's not going to be up on the screens, I apologise. But this is a prophetic moment that the prophet Ezekiel is having and he actually starts writing about the devil. Hello? He actually starts writing about the devil. And this is what he says, right? So this is talking about Satan. Have you watched that show where it's like, I think it's Mr. Deeds or something like that, and there's that butler? You are very sneaky. Anyway, <laughs> Jehovah's sneaky. Um, check out this. This is, what it, this is what it says in verse number 13. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering, the sardius, topaz and diamond, beryl, onyx and jasper, sapphire, turquoise and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. So it's talking about the devil, right? And you got to understand, you know how people say the devil was the, the worship leader in heaven and stuff like that? That's what it's saying. That's why your worship is so important. Because, and not, yes, yes, worship is a, a thing that we do with our lives, absolutely. So we work and we, because we offer that to God, it becomes worship to Him, right? Absolutely. Worship goes far beyond just music. But it's really important for us to understand that music is a really significant expression of the human being because you were actually given, you were actually given uh, timbrels and pipes too. They are in your body. You were given vocal cords. It's a wind instrument and a stringed instrument. And it might come out not sounding like the music that's playing up the front, but that's okay as long as it comes out. I just want to worship silently. That's all good. That's all, you, you can do that at times. 
But I don't want you to underestimate the power of your worship and your expression to God. I don't want you to underestimate the power that when you make a sound with your voice because you were created to worship Him, I don't want you to underestimate, even though it might you might not think it sounds good, the power that that has in the spiritual atmosphere, in the spirit realm over this place. I don't want you to underestimate, I don't want you to underestimate how much the devil wants to silence the church in worship. And I want you to understand that you are a weapon in the spirit realm when you begin to open your mouth, when you begin to clap your hands, when you begin to shout out to God. Because as you do it, no matter what it sounds like, you are making a sound that actually, that, that you're making a redeemed sound of worship that the devil can never get back. Right, let's keep reading. I'm, I'm, I'm on a timeline. It was prepared for you on the day that you were created. Listen to this. This is talking about the devil. You were, Lucifer, you were the anointed. Everybody say anointed. anointed. What? You were the anointed cherub. You were the anointed cherub. Did you know that the devil was anointed? You were the anointed cherub. Then it says something that's really important and it's a good lesson for us to learn about the anointing because this is what the anointing does. It then says, I established you in the New King James. You were the anointed cherub and I established you. And so what the anointing does is the anointing establishes establishes us in a certain space. I'm not talking about natural. I'm talking about spiritual. That's why we see in the Bible, just going to talk real this morning. There's no excuses for sin. This is not a greasy grace type of church. We believe in repentance and all those sorts of things. We, we believe it. We advocate for it. We, we're, we're right there. But this is why we've got to understand, have you ever contemplated why men of God, even throughout the Bible, fall, but they don't lose their status in God? Have you thought about David is the most confusing one if you give it some, some thinking time? Because he was a worshipper. He was anointed king. He was, he was anointed king. He was, he was powerful. They said about, in fact, the seed of David, Jesus, came from him. Yet when the anointing, because the anointing was on him, even when he sinned, it didn't remove the anointing from his life. Now, is that an excuse to sin? Certainly not. Go on, please read Romans chapter 4, 5, 6, 7 and 8 and that's right where we're at, right? Because it's not a justification for sin. I'm trying to help you to understand the anointing today. I'm try trying to help you to understand the anointing's great, but there's a deeper level that God wants you to live in and that is in relationship with the Holy Spirit. In Isaiah 45, just write that down if you're taking notes, from verses one to 13, it tells a story of a king, his name is Cyrus. He's not even a follower of, Jesus, of God. And the Bible says that Cyrus is anointed as king. He's what? He's anointed, yeah, because God wanted to use him in that way. 
And so here we see that God's anointing is important. It's powerful. It's incredible. Please hear my heart. I'm not trying to undermine the anointing. But I'll just be real. I'll be real with you. We need to go beyond the level of the anointing in our walk with Jesus. I, ha- I am anointed. I have a gift to be able to communicate. I have an anointing on me in this area. I'll be honest with you. You'll know when it's just the anointing. It'll have some measure of impact. But there's a different measure of impact that comes when the Holy Spirit is present. The anointing is something I can do because it's within me and God has gifted me, right? And you have this story in your own area of gifting and talent and anointing. But there's a different impact that happens. There's more fruit that happens. There's there's something that happens that's beyond just what a man can do when the Holy Spirit begins to move. And so there's got to be a hunger inside of us for the Holy Spirit. Worship, as we worship Him, as we come into this place, we might as well make the most of it. If, you're going, if you and I are religious enough to be here, right? You know what I'm saying? Like if we're Christian enough to be in church, that's a really good thing. But we might as well go all out while we're in here, right? We might as well let go and let God do His best work. We might as well press into God in a, in, in a way that we never have before. We might as well actually worship Him like we believe who He is. We might as well when the altar call, I remember, and I've done this many times over the years, but I, my heart is to respond to the Lord in any way that I can. As a young kid, 16 years old, I, the, um, I re- received the call of God on my life. And since then, I just started chasing Him, pursuing Him. In this very legalistic church, I remember they had a, one altar call one Sunday night. I was a surfy kid living in Western Australia, had like hair down to here, had, a, had an earring, and apparently those things, according to my pastor at the time, were quite, uh, were signs of rebellion, and so he had this thing up the, up the front, and it was a sin bin, and he pointed to a whole lot of people in the church, man, it was fire and brimstone, I'm telling you right now, and he was like, if you've got an earring and you're a man, it's a sign of whatever, you need to come up, repent, put that earring in the bin, and I'll be honest with you, I can reflect on it now. Coralie was probably in the kids' church at the time. Sorry, just had a moment. Um, and uh, I, as I reflect on it now, I'm like, that was silly. That was really silly. But to be perfectly honest with you, I willingly went down the front and took my silver sleeper out. Come on, somebody. Why are you laughing? This isn't even a joke. Yeah, David, my friend. I can't say anything because he's got me live on Facebook or something like that. (laughs) But I willingly, because I wanted to follow Jesus with all my heart, 
I didn't have the maturity to understand that that probably wasn't something the Holy Spirit was asking me to do. But it didn't matter because every one of those moments of responding to the voice of the Holy Spirit equipped me to be able to hear His voice. And I didn't care what the response was, to be honest with you. That week, I think I went and shaved my head. (laughs) Lennon's laughing. He's already got a shaved head. And so if we're here, we might as well give everything. We might as well come with a hunger in our hearts for the power of Holy Spirit. We might as well come. We might as well live our lives. If we are going to live our lives this way, we might as well live it with an absolute infatuation where we are completely consumed with Holy Spirit and what He's doing. So living anointed is one thing. But living with the Holy Spirit is another thing altogether. Let's read John, John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 2, sorry. And then I just want to give you three things. 1 John. Mm. 1 John chapter 2. I think I'm reading from verse 20. It says this, but you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. And I'm not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you know it. And that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he who denies that Jesus is the Christ? He's the Antichrist who denies the Father and the Son. Whoever de- denies the Son does not have the Father either. He who acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Therefore, because you have an anointing and because you know truth, therefore let that abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. These things I've written to you concerning those who try to deceive you. But the anointing which you received from him abides in you. And you do not need, uh, sorry, and you do not need that anyone teach you. But as the same anointing teaches you concerning all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you will abide in him. And I wanted to read that this morning simply for you to understand that you you carry an anointing you carry it and you and I need to begin to understand what the work of the Holy Spirit is in fact I've got 70 things here that I'm not going to go through don't worry someone's eyes nearly fell out I've got 70 things here that the Holy Spirit does let me just list a few number one he leads and directs What's the first thing when the Holy Spirit, right? So Jesus is baptised by John. The Holy Spirit comes on him and doesn't, doesn't leave, right? So the Holy Spirit comes on Jesus. What's the first thing that happens when that happens? The Bible says that the Spirit leads him into the, into the wilderness. The first thing that you know if you're beyond anointed and you're following and living with Holy Spirit is that 
you are led by a divine presence? That's a good question to ask. In my everyday life, how am I led by this divine presence? How am I led by this divine presence? Because he leads and he directs. The Holy Spirit also speaks. He gives power to cast out devils. He releases power, Luke 4.14. The Holy Spirit anoints. The Holy Spirit comes upon or falls on. He, the Holy Spirit baptizes and fills. Holy Spirit gives new birth. Holy Spirit leads us into worship. Holy Spirit flows like a river from the spirit of man. Holy Spirit ministers truth. He dwells in people. He gives comfort, health, and strength. Excuse me. Holy Spirit proceeds from the Father. Holy Spirit shows us things to come. Holy Spirit gives the gifts of the Spirit. Holy Spirit is holiness personified. Holy, he, he is the spirit of life and gives life and we could go on. We could go on. So beyond the, beyond the anointing, I want you to live lives. In fact, I believe the Bible is calling us to live lives where we are closely connected to Holy Spirit. Closely connected. God wants to, to, to be with you. And he wants to be with you through Holy Spirit. And religion is just such a bore, friends. Can we, can we do some real talk here? Church services are terrible. I mean, I'm busy. So I'm doing this so I don't get as terrible as, it, as you might because I'm normally up the front. But church services can be terrible. Religion is boring. No wonder the church is empty. The church is empty because we are. (laughs) It's just real talk. And we're empty not because we're not gifted, not because we don't have talents. We're empty because we're not following Holy Spirit. We're empty because we're more interested in worldly things than we are the Spirit of God. We're empty. The church is powerless. I'm just preaching to myself, and I'm, is that, if that's okay. Our lives are void of His power because we, are, we don't live lives orientated around His presence. We live our lives, Christian lives, orientated around religious things. But we leave Him out of those religious things. There's nothing wrong with this. I love this. I love all of it. I'm all for it. I'm all for worship. I love it. But I don't want to do it without the Holy Spirit. I don't want to do it without the Spirit of the living God. I don't want to do it. I really don't want to do it. It's not worth it. And so what needs to change? 
do we need to set the seats up differently or no it's nothing practical that needs to change it's your heart and my heart and so often there are this is not a really word heavy message I apologize if you're we're looking for lots of scriptures and stuff like that but I just want to have a family talk today Because uh, what's in my heart, my, my vision for as we gather, these environments should be electric. And they are at times. But there should be moments where the Holy Spirit is coming on people in different moments, in different ways. And we are completely abandoned and okay with the glory of God falling in that way. We need to be, we need to, we need to be, we, 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 are, we are way too... We, we withhold too much from the Lord. And partly we do, I'm just being real, I'm speaking to myself about myself this morning. Partly we do because we've seen religion wreck it. And we've seen religion fake it, haven't we? We've seen people courtesy drop and we've seen a whole lot of humanistic stuff pretending to be the Holy Spirit. That's not what I'm after, that's weird. But we cannot sacrifice God's power, His anointing moving, the Holy Spirit moving. We cannot sacrifice those God moments in our lives upon the altar of some religious nut (laughs) that has wrecked wrecked it for us in the past. We must continue to fight to have an open heart before the Holy Spirit. Despite what has happened in our lives, despite what has happened in our world, despite our present troubles, we must continue to be people that orientate and submit and surrender our lives to Holy Spirit. It's a relationship and the Holy Spirit God's Holy Spirit in us and moving for us and through us as Christians is the greatest gift from God. It's so great that Jesus even said, it is going to be better for you. Could you imagine? It's impossible to understand when Jesus is there. Because Jesus is doing miracles. The whole, like God's moving through him. Crazy things are happening. And Jesus has the audacity to say, it's going to be better for you. When I go, because you're going to have the Holy Spirit. Why is it going to be better? Because right now, the Holy Spirit's in me. That's what Jesus was saying. But when I die and I'm resurrected, it's going to make a way for the Holy Spirit to be in you. And so he's in you today. Let me give you these three things that I hope help you today. I want, I want you to think about these things because I think there are some things that are blocking your walk with the Holy Spirit. The first thing that I want to talk about is a carnal mind. A carnal mind is blocking your walk with the Holy Spirit. 
It's blocking your walk with the Holy Spirit. Did you, did you hear that? That's important to write down a carnal mind. Why is it important to, to, to write down? Because, because sin is not at enmity with God. Sin is not the enemy of God. Sin has been defeated. Sin is not the disruptor of your walk with the Holy Spirit. But Romans chapter 8 and verse, let's read from verse number 5. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, right, set their minds on things of the flesh. Where am I? I lost my spot. But those uh, set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not, know, does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. So we, hear, we see here today in Romans chapter 8, we see that it's a carnal mind, carnal mind, not a sin, not, not sin, but a carnal mind. And how do I know if I'm, if I'm uh, live more towards a carnal mind? How do I know that? Well, number one, there's going to be death all around my life, right? There's going, that's going to be happening, but how, how do I know? How do I know? I know I have a carnal mind because I lean more on my own understanding than I do on the Holy Spirit. I lean on my own understanding more than I do the Spirit. And my thinking is set on, my, my thinking is not set on the Holy Spirit. That's what it says there in, in Romans. It says, for those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. So a really good simple test and question for you to continually ask yourself, and it's a journey we're on, I'm telling you, but is to keep asking yourself, what is my mind set on? How much am I thinking about Holy Spirit and His presence? But I have work, yeah, but you can do both at the same time. When your work becomes worship, you can do both at the same time. So one of the ways, see, because I, I need you to see this. I need you to see that the Holy Spirit will only occupy the parts of your life that you allow Him to. So yes, you have the Holy Spirit, absolutely. But I'm talking about submitting and yielding different areas of your life to Him. Where you learn to trust Him. And as you learn to trust Him, you submit those areas of your life. You say, hang on, if I've got the Holy Spirit, then why do I need to trust Him more? Because, uh, because this is why Rome, Paul's trying to tell the church in Rome, in the area of your thinking, in this area, you haven't submitted it to Holy Spirit. You've still got a carnal mind. Your mind has not yet been renewed. And so an obstruction, a barrier to you walking and living in Holy Spirit. Your relationship with Him is a carnal mind. 
you want to go deeper on that or do you want to move on? Let's move on. You're quiet. You missed the moment. Hello. Love that family. Uh, let's skip to this one. Another one is that you, you are spiritually blind. You're spiritually blind. Let's go to John, Gospel of John, chapter 1. You still there? Calv, would you jump up on the keys, man? Is that all right? I love this. I love, I love John chapter 1. But this is one of the most saddest verses in the Bible. Let's read from verse number 10. He was in the world, speaking of Jesus. Hello, Alicia. What are you doing here so early? 11.30. I told you people. I'm in, I'm in trouble. Hang on, I've got four more points. No, no, I'll be done in a minute. Listen to this, verse number 10. He was in the world and he was made, and, and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. That's sad on its own, but listen to this. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. His own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. They were, they were, they were blind. Another translation says they could not recognise him. They couldn't recognise him. And I think a part of this journey of yielding to the Holy Spirit is being able to recognise him when he's there. It's been able to recognise him. I believe that God's speaking to everyone, but it's about do we have the ears to hear what the Spirit is saying? And he came to his own and his own did not recognise him. And because they did not recognise him, they did not receive him. And because they did not receive him, they did not become children of God. And so there was a spiritual blindness as we know through the life of Jesus that took place. There was a spiritual blindness and maybe maybe today that's what the Holy Spirit wants to break off your life is spiritual blindness. Maybe you have carnal thinking and the Holy Spirit saying, you need, to, you need to give me your thoughts. Maybe it's like that. I'll close with this story. Because where, where this is a setup to us praying for our kids is us knowing that the Holy Spirit is inside of us that you have the Holy Spirit within you, that you are powerful, but I'm not a pastor. My goodness. The Bible wasn't written to pastors. The Bible was written to the church of which I'm a part of it, the body of Christ. In 1 Samuel chapter 3, it tells the story of the young prophet Samuel who was still under the leadership of the senior prophet at that time, Eli. Eli, if you read chapters one specifically, you see that Eli is abusing his role. He has lost 
a connection with God. He's doing all the good prophet things. There's sacrifices, there's worship. The priests are doing everything they need to do. But when you arrive in 1 Samuel chapter 3, the Bible tells us that the Word of God, the Bible says that revelation was rare in that time. Now, Eli to us, he represents religion where you're going through the motions of church. You're going through the motions, but you can't, you, you're not connected with the Holy Spirit. So much so that Eli, God speaks to him in chapter one and, and, and says, you've just, you've been eating all the, all the, you've been taking all the good parts of the offerings and everything that the people have been bringing and you've been leaving nothing for me. That's what religion does. Religion comes and just does the good parts for themselves, but has no actual connection or heart for God. You might know the story, but Samuel then goes to sleep, goes off to his room. And the prophet has one job, and that one job is to hear and know what the voice of God is. But Eli is so religious he cannot determine, he cannot, he does not know the sound of God's voice anymore. And friend, this is the picture of so many of, so, so much of the Western church's version of Christianity, where we don't know the voice of the Holy Spirit anymore. And Samuel, the young boy, comes running into Eli and says, Eli, you called me. He's like, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. Goes back to bed. See how Eli should have been able to discern that that was the voice of God? Go back to bed. The voice says, Samuel. On the third time, Eli basically says to him, uh, gets this idea, maybe it's God. I don't, it could be, so we might as well give it a go. We're in church. So we might as well, while we're here, just see if it is God. So when it, if it is God, this is the absolute wind-up now. The kids are in. While, 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 while you're thinking it might be God, well, we might as well give it a go and open up our hearts. Hello, everyone. And so, friend, I'm trying to help you to see you might as well open up your heart because the voice of God came so powerfully and became, came so incredibly upon Samuel and it just takes one encounter with him. One encounter, the Bible says that the, not one word fell and did not come to pass that came out of Samuel's mouth. This is the prophet that anointed King Saul, that anointed David. This is a man that heard from God. And friend, I'm trying to help you to see today, religion is good for no one. You can be an, a good anointed religious person. Come on down, respond to the Lord. Bring your earrings, bring your phones. Hello. Bring your parents' wallets, do it. She's gone out, oh. oh. All right, sermon officially over. <laughs> Church, I want you to see today that you have the Holy Spirit. You have Him. And can we make a commitment? <laughs> can we make a commitment to lean into Him more?
Amen.